Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. It is great to be together, and I'm telling you, I'm so thankful for what God is doing, and I think with all the prayer saturation around here, uh, God is ready. He's more ready to move than we are, and uh, my prayer is that those of you that that came up a few moments ago, that this will be a turning point kind of a day in your year, in your life, and that you'll be uh, filled with refreshing peace and strength. Whether you're in the room or whether connecting with us on our online campus, we hope that this is a turning point for you. <clears throat> we got a great uh, fresh theme this month. We're talking about getting it in gear. Get your life into gear. Get your life moving forward. Anybody ever learned to drive a stick shift? Yeah, you know, back, um, back in the day, uh, you know, when we had driver's ed back in the day, uh, they made us learn to drive stick because then they said you can drive anything then. And um, never forget learning how to uh, drive with a clutch and having to, and, and I, I think a lot of people right now, I, I mean, you've you probably never even, some people in the room have probably never done it, but it's something about that grinding sound <laughs> when you're grinding your gears, learning to drive a stick. We, uh, so I learned in driver's ed, and then my wife and I in the probably about 1984-85, we got a Honda Civic wagon and saved a bunch of money by getting a stick shift. But she didn't drive stick. She'd only learned like I had just basically, and I hadn't really had any experience. And so we got this stick shift car. And uh, where I grew up in in Sanford is a lot closer to the coast. It's It's a lot flatter than Ocala. Ocala has hills. Anybody know where I'm going with this? So... The hardest part for me was when you get on a hill and you're stopped at a traffic light and the car wants to roll backwards and if you let out the clutch too fast to keep yourself there, it'll stall and then everybody behind you is going to be really upset. And I find that right now, I believe there are a lot of people grinding your gears in life. And it's, it's important that we learn how to synchronize. But you know what? The, the whole thing about driving a stick shift is timing. It's muscle memory. It's getting that proper, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it just enough gas and letting out that just enough clutch at the same time. And eventually you, can, you, you don't even roll backwards, hopefully. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those things where you have to learn. And I want to say to you, in your life, if you're spending your life grinding through, there's a time to learn how to grind and get through, but there's a time to learn how to synchronize yourself with God's purpose and to let that grinding be, become smoother shifting. Now I'm talking about shifting gears today. Um, the message is called Walk Worthy, and I think you'll see why. I'm going to give you three, um, three quick scriptures from the New Testament and then something from Genesis. Ephesians 4, 1 says this. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, plead with you, 
to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk according to what God's doing and not according to what you're feeling. Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy. There's that phrase again, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Only 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. Finally, Genesis 32 tells the story of Jacob on his way back home to meet his brother Esau after a half of his life away, he's coming home kind of afraid that his brother Esau that he stole the birthright from is gonna kill him. And as he is about to go over the Jordan and cross over into the area and see his family again, he sends his uh, family over and he stays by, by himself one night on the other side of the river. And it says in verse 24, Genesis 32, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Notice in the scripture, it doesn't say a man like small m. This is a capital M man because this is a pre-incarnate Christ. Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Take us beyond our own abilities and our own understanding into trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember last week, we talked about the joy of turning left onto 17th Street from 441 and how your life can get behind somebody that if you do the traffic light math, and you figure, okay, if this person, if everyone's paying attention and looking at the light, as soon as it turns, we will all move in unison as one vehicle, and we will all make it through this light and be there not through two or three cycles. But invariably, you have people that want to check their email or do their social media at the traffic light, which is now legal, and the only place it's legal is where you're stopped at the light. The problem is if those, if those people get stuck looking down and the light turns, somebody's got to give them a meet me. Somebody's got to remind them. And I said this year for 2020, I felt like my calling is to remind you, meet me, that, 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 that you, if you're looking down in your life, if you're looking away from What's ahead of you? If you're looking away from the purpose of God, you need just a little friendly reminder, meet me, to lift your eyes and move forward when the light changes. And we said, hey, the light is green. Uh, when the light is green, what does that mean? It means go, you go. And so we said you can live life by design or default. The first step to design 
is to dedicate your time to God. You know, you've heard probably many of you, most of you have heard the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And the fact is, if you're just going to do the same thing, one of the reasons why, so we're in the middle of our eight days of prayer, tonight, seven o'clock, we continue night number five. We're already halfway done, and it's been phenomenal. It's been a great, enriching time. Pastor Gail has been just, just leading, really getting us uh, clarity about some things where we're headed, just really dedicating our time. But, you know, I found that in this time, like I'll fast, I'll fast certain things in my life or just the normal way or going to Starbucks or playing words with friends and just different things I've just, just stepped out of for a few days. And I realized that if you're not careful, you're just replacing what you have given up with something else that isn't still leaning into God. In other words, you're leaning away from stuff, but you still have to lean into God. You still have to align yourself with the purpose of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. Take one more step forward in your relationship with God. Have you ever noticed that people walk differently? One of my favorite things to do if my wife is enjoying shopping, and I like shopping too, I just don't like shopping with her. <clears throat> I do like shopping. I like shopping with her in the same store. And I do, and I do uh, after 40 years of marriage this year, I do enjoy being with her in a store. I don't want to say that, but I don't like enjoy looking through dresses and, and things like that, okay? And so uh, I just got myself in real trouble. How many places praying for me? Yeah. So let me start again. I love shopping. That's what I should have said. So I love shopping. But at some points, I will break away and go shopping for myself. And then I will sit down somewhere and just either work or watch people. And I like to people watch. And, it, it, and it's hilarious, really, to watch people if you go to the mall. It's funny to watch people because everybody has a different walk. And I remember years ago, and, and you know, when I was younger and a lot thinner, growing up, People used to think I looked like John Travolta. I know that's funny, but back in the day. And so I remember hearing that John Travolta, every time he would choose a role, he would get a new part, a new role in a movie, he would decide how the character walks before he decided anything else. And it's pretty funny. Some of you might remember Welcome Back Cotter. Anybody remember Welcome Back Cotter? Yeah, 20 people. Anyway, so... <clears throat> anyway, welcome back, Cotter. He was, was his breakthrough role on TV. Played Vinny Barbarino, and Barbarino kind of had this kind of a kind of a bouncy walk like this. He just kind of walked through and and do ba 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 ba. He would just you know and go what where, and he'd do this. He would do this whole thing. Well, he would decide. So Travolta would decide who the character is by the way they would walk, and then and then you know Tony Manero. You know, Tony Monero had a, you know, kind of a swagger walk. You know, you can tell, by the way, I use my walk. I'm a woman's man, no time to talk. You know? So, so, so he would, he, you know, that whole opening scene in Saturday Night Fever, which I don't recommend your teenagers see, but anyway, 
that is, he's, he's, he's walking, just, he's just kind of swaggering down the street, and you think, wow, this guy is so full of confidence, you know. And then Danny Zuko in Greece had another, you know, <laughs> what's the matter with me, babe? What's the matter with you, huh? And he had, you know, he had this, he had this whole thing, you know, he, hey, Sandy, you know, he had, he had this whole way, and he had a different walk. Every, everybody, you know, some of love, you know, anyway, he just had this whole thing. So I'm really dating myself, but, but that was the whole thing. There was, it was all about the walk, and I, and I started thinking about this because what happens is in our lives, we're encouraged by God to walk a certain way. And I realized in my own life, uh, I have a different walk, and I, I don't think about my walk, but if anybody's ever traveled with me, they actually labeled my walk the parent chief pace. Because when I walk, I walk like I'm going someplace and need to get there. I've, I don't mosey, okay? I've never moseyed in my life. Some people shuffle along when they walk. Some people just kind of never bend their legs. There's all different walks people have, and you think about it, but it's funny. You go to the mall, I promise you, you'll see every kind of walk in every kind of place, and that walk kind of defines them. Some shuffle, some limp, some tiptoe, some slink, some plod, some slide, some bounce, some lurch, but everyone's walk reveals something about them, something about their lives, their experiences, their challenges, their struggles, their pain, their suffering, their injury, their recovery. As you get older, your walk is affected by what hurts. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way because I'm with you. My wife and I, in the beginning of the year, we've been enjoying... Well, until spring came yesterday, in the cool of the winter that we had for a week, my friend from Boston says, how was winter? I said, it was great. It was last Thursday. <laughs> and my wife and I, we've been walking. We've been walking, you know, a couple of miles a day and enjoying that. And you get out there in the fresh air and it's so good. And I, I said to her, maybe Friday we were walking, I said, you know, I just realized why we don't walk in summer like this. Because you can't. It's so hot and humid. It's miserable. Walking, though, is so good for you. It's supposed to be good for your heart. It's supposed to be good for your body, good for the flow of you. But understand that sometimes if you, you know, so my knee started hurting the other day. And then, you know, it, it just, I'm, I'm just having a little bit of a different walk just because I had a little bit of knee pain. What happens in this life, you go through stuff, and when you go through something where it gives you pain, it affects your walk, not just your physical walk, but your emotional walk, your spiritual walk. Walk in the Bible always speaks of manner of life. Your daily routine. I hate the word routine, but it is, it's, it's, it's what it is. Your routine. How you actually live your life. Who you are and what you do, what you think about. Your life flow. When the Bible talks about your walk, it's talking about the flow of your life. How is your life flowing? 
How's your walk? How's your walk with God? The great news is that in Christ, no matter what your walk has been defined by, in Christ Jesus, your walk can be changed. You don't have to limp along forever. You don't have to, you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to walk carrying all the burdens of this life. But you gotta be willing to disrupt your routine. You gotta be willing to change it up. You gotta be willing to shift it. You gotta be willing to change gears in order to find that new thing. Three times in the, in the text today are three New Testament passages. In all three, Paul encourages Christ's followers and he uses this phrase, walk worthy. Walk worthy. Now, when you think of worth or walking worthy, you would think of deserving, deserving. But primarily, I believe he's talking about, think of this word, trustworthy. Trustworthy. When walk trustworthy. You may have kids. As you're growing to, as they're growing up and you're learning to trust them, of course, they always say when they're teenagers, you don't trust me, to which my wife and I just decided to say, that's right. <laughs> Instead of, oh yes, I trust you implicitly. I trusted my kids. I didn't trust other people. But there's something about when your kids start driving. Who? that's, talk about a walk of faith. <laughs> Any parents in that season where you're teaching your kids to drive? Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different deal, isn't it? Man, you, now you gotta, you, now you remember them couldn't ride the bike with the training wheels. And you're giving them keys to your car. And you're having flashbacks like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I am, you know, even though on my 15th, on my 15th birthday, I was at the DMV getting my restricted license. And on my 16th birthday, I was there. I'd done my studying. I got my full license. I did the road course on those exact days. But the older I get, the more I think, 18 is a better age to drive. <laughs> that sounds horrible, doesn't it? But I'm telling you, it's, it just seems different because it seems so much more dangerous to me now. And what happens is when trustworthy is a word that says that I've proven that I can handle this. And I think that's what these five walk worthies are from Paul the Apostle. Number one, he says, walk worthy of your calling. In other words, let your conduct be equitable to the way you see your life, the way you see your destiny, your potential, and God's purpose. Walk in faith, walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Now that's not drive. We don't drive by faith, not by sight. We have to use sight. Thank you for that overwhelming response. We walk by faith. Our manner of life is faith. So let you, when you're gonna walk worthy, you gotta walk in faith. You gotta let your conduct be connected to 
the way you see yourself in God. You're called by God. Every one of you, listen, here's the problem. In this world, we think that the calling is the preacher's calling. And the rest of us just have jobs. No, every one of us has a calling. You are called to work in the field that you work in. You are called. You might, you might think you, you studied uh, because you just happened to be in the right class one day and so you took this field of study and this, and now you have a job in that. Let me just say this to you. God has a redemptive purpose for you in what you're doing for a living. He has an anointing for you. If he's appointed you, he's anointed you. And the anointing means that his power is released and revealed in and through you through what you're doing. The anointing is not just what happens at church. The anointing is is God's supernatural power and presence working with you and through you at whatever you're doing and wherever you're doing it. That God would anoint you. He would strengthen you. He would empower you. But you've got to prove yourself trustworthy of that calling. Trustworthy of that calling. Walk worthy of your calling. Count the cost. Can I tell you something? If you're going to be a leader in this world, and I don't mean just in the church, I mean if you're going to be a leader, the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, if you're going to be a leader in this world, there's a cost to being a leader. There's a price to pay to be a leader. You've got to set yourself apart. You've got, to, you've, got to be, you've got to be ready for what God wants to do through you as a leader. Number two, Paul writes, walk worthy of the Lord Fully pleasing him. Fully pleasing him. Inside every human being is the desire to make daddy proud. Even if you grew up without a, a, a father, you, you know, I, I see it in my, I see uh, the way life works in my own grandkids in the fact that whenever they're around, they always want their dads, their moms, or me as Papa, or my wife as Gigi, they want, they want to show us what they're doing. They want, to, they want to be seen. They want to be celebrated. They want to put a smile on our face. In fact, our youngest granddaughter, Alana, is not even two yet. And she recently learned that she can make everybody laugh if she does poochy lip when she's not sad. So now, we look at her, and she goes, And then we crack up and then she laughs. And so not even two years old, she wants a response. It's in her to go for the cheap laugh like Papa. And she's not even two. It's, 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 it's inborn. Some would say a family blessing. Some would say generational curse. But the fact is that in all of us, you know, when I, I remember um, when my oldest grandson, Cole, is now 10 and a half, when he was learning to swim, and uh, we had him swimming, you know, from the time he was really little. And then by the time he was really swimming without, without anything, at about four, he would swim across the whole pool. And, when he, and he, when, he, when he got out, when he swam across the pool, his biggest thing was getting out and saying, did you see it? Did you see that? I did that. In fact, some, I've got to show you a video sometime because one of the first times he swam across the whole pool, he got on the other side, and he gets up, and he goes, that's for you now, church. He looks at a camera. We have it on video. I promise you. And we're like, who is this kid? 
But there's something about that desire to, to please your parents. That's not a bad thing, okay? That's not a bad thing. We all have that, but, but it's all a shadow of wanting to please God. The ultimate papa, the ultimate father in heaven. The Bible says walk worthy, fully pleasing him. You know, sometimes what we do is just acceptable. But other things we do actually put a smile on, on God's face and a smile in his heart. There's nothing worse as a parent than having to withhold <clears throat> privileges or electronics this day and age or having to get out the wooden spoon for a little swat on the behind when your kids are bad. You don't, you don't, you don't enjoy that as a parent. You don't enjoy it. At least you shouldn't. Anyway, you, you don't enjoy that. You don't enjoy the punishment or withholding something that they want. But the fact is, kids will put you in a place where not everything they do is putting a smile on your face. Right? There, some things are just, some things are, they just, they, they do. Some things you say, what were you thinking? But some things put a smile on your face. And that's what the Bible says for us. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. I love that. Number three, walk fruitfully. That means accomplishing, achieving. Fruitfulness is about productivity. It's about doing something forward, looking forward, looking forward. You know, there's nothing more fruitless than looking back all the time looking at your past and dwelling on it. It's okay to look back. This year we'll have our 30th anniversary. We're gonna look back this whole year at little, you know, we're probably gonna look back at some old funny pictures in a few weeks. The way we did church when it was just a handful of us in the warehouse down the road where we started. We look back, that, that's a different thing. It's celebration. But the purpose of that looking back is to look ahead not to stay in the past, not to measure everything by the past, but to celebrate what God has done. Walk fruitfully. The only way you can deal with your past effectively because it's gone and can't be changed is to redeem it. Second service, I said last week that there's a great word in where the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And the Bible says later in that same chapter, and he has made us ministers of reconciliation. The word reconcile is an accounting word. It means to balance the books. And to balance the books, you have to get the accounts and bring it all to zero. They have to balance. You may know what I'm talking about? It's almost tax time. Good news. Right, we'll have a healing line for tax time in a minute. But what happens is the, the Bible says that God has reconciled us. He's brought our balance of sin to zero. He's brought the price of our sin to zero. And the Bible says that should affect our walk because we don't have that burden of being stuck in that old way and that old thought and that old mindset. Number four, walk increasing in the knowledge of God, Paul writes. 
Walk increasing in the knowledge of God. That means growing closer, getting stronger with God. Here's the word. The word is intimacy. And here, a lot of people are afraid of intimacy. Intimacy, you were, you were born to have intimate relationship with the God who created you. And in that intimacy, that's where, when we were singing about, show us your glory. In God's presence, you can sense him. There's an intimacy in worship. There's an intimacy in time with God where you sense him, where you have time to experience him in your heart, in your mind, in your life. The Bible says you can know God intimately and then you can make him known outwardly. Get to know him and then make him known. I don't know how hungry you are for God right now, but I think part of me, the eight days of prayer, the beginning of this year is just realigning my hunger, just making sure that I'm hungrier more for God this year than it was last year. Not just trying to hype it up, not just trying to pretend it, but actually finding an appetite, a desire for more relationship with him even though I've been walking with him for almost 40 years. In this life, you've got to find ways of keeping yourself hungry for more of God. So Paul said, walk worthy, increase the knowledge of God. Number five and last on this point, walk worthy of God's kingdom purpose. He said, walk worthy of God's kingdom for your life. Kingdom, when, when the Bible talks about kingdom, it's talking about ruling and reigning on the throne of your life. Pastor Gail showed us on Wednesday night, I think the very first night of our prayer, she reminded me, uh, uh, ran reminded all of us of an old track that I think Campus Crusade used to put out, a track called The Four Spiritual Laws. And it had these two pictures. Can you put the first picture for me there? Do we have that? I don't know if you saw that there. Did we get that? So, so over here, this is the self-centered life. When, when, when it's really all about you, when you're, when you're calling the shots, when you're reigning and ruling in the, on the throne of your own heart, when you are in charge, when you're running things, when your mind is, this is the way it's gonna be. And the Bible says there's another way. See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it leads to death, leads to destruction. But there's another way, if you want to put that over here, the Christ-centered life, the Christ-direct life. Listen, over here, these little dots of everything going on are chaos. Here, they come into order because when Jesus sits on the throne of your heart and you experience him in a real way, it changes everything. That's what the, the Bible says, walk in a trustworthy manner Letting Jesus be in charge of your life. Letting him be in charge of your focus. It, directing where you're gonna go, what you're gonna do, what you're gonna say, how you're, the condition of your heart and the condition of your life. And I wanna say to you in just a moment, we're gonna be praying for people. If Jesus isn't the center of your life, you can try anything else to fill that spot. But as long as self is on the throne it's gonna be chaos. 
And then you're gonna wonder why at some point, why is my life out of control? Why am I grinding my gears over and over again and can't seem to shift smoothly? Because you need Jesus, not just as your religion or your Sunday once a week stop off, but you need a relationship with him. You need to be real and vibrant. It's about who's actually calling the shots in your daily life. That's the lordship of Jesus. Jesus being your savior also means he's your Lord, the master of the house. The reality is God wants to do something great in your life. I wanna finish with this thought. In our final text about Jacob coming back to his family, people don't realize it was the first WrestleMania. WrestleMania was in the Bible. The first, very first wrestling match in the whole Bible was Jacob wrestling with God. And he's wrestling with him all night over the direction of his life. Jacob, his name meant deceiver, heel grabber. He was a deceiver. He was a con man. He had worked his way through. He was at times submitted to God and at times he was large and in charge of his own life. But he, whenever he would get into a situation, he would find a way to kind of manipulate his way through and make it work. And as he's about to enter this new season of his life, he's going back to see his parents. He's going back to see his brother. He doesn't know what the future holds. And the Bible says a man comes in to wrestle with him. And that man was God, the God-man, a pre-incarnation of Jesus as the Christ. And as he wrestles with him, the interesting thing is, Jacob is so stubborn that eventually God says, I guess I can't break his will. I guess I can't. He says, he says when, it real, when the, the scripture said that I read to you, says when he realized that he couldn't defeat this man, that he couldn't prevail. I mean, you know, God can prevail over everything. He's God. But God himself, he'll wrestle with your will, but he won't take over your will. You hear me? So I say, God, take over. Well, okay, he'll fill anything you open up, but he's not gonna take over. That's what the enemy does. The devil comes in to take over. God doesn't control. He only fills and influences. And at this point in Jacob's life, he has manipulated his way through. He has had all kinds of success and God blessed him. But a lot of the success was him finding his way through, using his words with his uncle Laban and finding, let's come up with another deal. Let's find another way to do this. And not only did he sow deception, he reaped deception. So let me know the story. But now here he is, and the Bible says at the break of day, Christ, God, said, let me go. I guess I can't break your will. You're too stubborn. You're too stiff-necked. It'll be said of you that you wrestled with God and with man and you prevailed. But here's something else he did. The Bible says, when he said, I'm not gonna let you go unless you bless me. He said, okay, I'll bless you. 
but I'm also going to touch you in a way that's going to change your walk. He reaches out, the Bible says, and he touched, the, touched his thigh, and his hip went out of joint. And then God says, tell me your name. And he said, I am deceiver, heel grabber. I'm the con artist. He said, no longer will you be called that. But you'll be called Israel, a prince with God. You'll be the father of nations. And I'll fulfill my covenant promise for your grandfather Abraham, your father Isaac, I'll fulfill it for you and through you. But the Bible says from that day on, Jacob, now Israel, had to walk differently. From that point on, he had to lean on something. He had to have a crutch. He had a limp in his walk. Before, he was probably walking like Tony Monero, strutting through. I'm Jacob. Hey, I'm confident. I got this. <laughs> I got it. What? Where? He couldn't live by that anymore. When he met God, his walk had to change. And he had to walk leaning on God in a different way. Sometimes the danger of our community, our modern society is we're, we're self-made. Look what I did. Look at my success. Look at me. Pat me on the back. I did this. The Bible says God will share his glory with no one. He just wants to be trusted. What does Proverbs say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, on your own mind, on your own ability, on your own swagger, on your own self-confidence. Lean on God. Walk differently. Israel had to walk differently than Jacob or he couldn't be Israel. You hear me? You, to be a new creation in Christ, you and I have to allow God to change our walk with one touch. The Bible says, he, no, God didn't pull his leg off, by the way. This is, you know, this is where you gotta see in the kindness of God, God didn't change, God didn't make him lame. God makes lame men walk, the Bible says. But he touched him, and I'm telling you, one touch from God can change the way you walk. One touch from God can change the way I walk if we're willing to lean on him. One touch, one word from God can shift you. Micah 6, 8 says this, God has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, learning to lean on him fully. What does your walk 
say about you? What does your daily routine say about your life? It's time to focus. It's time to quit trying to walk in your own strength. It's okay to lean when you're leaning on God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, let the power of the deliverance of God, the healing power of God, set us free from ourselves. Would you deliver us from evil and set us free from pride, from our own independent spirit that we try to walk away from you, apart from you, ahead of you or behind you. We try to walk away with a distance when you've created us to walk with you. Would you help us to walk worthy, trustworthy of your investment in us? Holy Spirit, we need you to breathe on us and change us from the inside out. Would you touch our lives that we would walk in a way that would put a smile on your face, walking, walking in light of your purpose for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed just for another moment. Maybe you're here today and you recognize that you've been doing it your way. You've been running your life and everything you've done, have, or accomplished has been because of doing it yourself. And that might be very good for some people, but not for most. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm tired of running this thing. I've run my life into the ground, trying to do it myself, trying to do it in my own brain power instead of trusting God. Today, I surrender. I repent of my sin. I, repent is a, isn't a scary religious word. Repent just means change your mind. If you're here today and you've changed your mind about leaning on God, would you just put your hand up in the air right now? Just put it up in the air and say, you know, I changed my mind. I want God to lead. I want Jesus to be on the throne of my heart. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you someone else. God bless you, sir. That's the thing. It's about letting him drive. Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself to those whose hands are raised, whose hearts are open, both here and in our online campus. Would you just pray this with me everywhere? Just pray this out loud. Just say, those of you whose hands are raised and everybody in the room, just say this with me out loud. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my stubbornness, trying to do life on my own, independently from you. I ask you now to heal me, to set me free, to change my walk with one touch. In Jesus' name, amen. If you meant that, if you meant that prayer, then something's going from here to here. It's getting out of your head and just trust, stop entrusting in the brain and trusting in 
the Spirit of God in you, in your human spirit, that you can be changed, renewed, and start fresh. Amen? Walk worthy. Walk in a trustworthy manner. You know, the more trustworthy your kids are, the more freedom you give them, right? And when they mess up and they, and they violate that trustworthiness, when they're unworthy of the trust, you back off. You guys say, well, we're, you, you can't, I can't give you all the freedom I want to give you yet. It's the same with God. The, the more you are trustworthy, the more freedom He trusts you with. Amen? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.